0: Good morning, my friend. I hope you are well today, wherever you are. I am here in this warehouse. It's an interesting experience. Hang on, I'm going to grab another stool. You know, usually when we're here together, it's so many people in this room. But today, it's just me and a few other people. And that's interesting and a little different than what I have experienced before. Now before I start talking any further, it's important to me, and I want to say something very specifically to our young people. Um, So if you're part of this this morning and you are a young person, I'd love to talk to you for a minute. But really, it's not about all of the young people. I actually really just wanted to talk to you for a minute, if that's okay, and not everybody else. I hope that's all right. The thing I wanted to say to you first is that I miss you. I miss seeing your face in this building. So often we have the opportunity to be here together, and I love that. I love seeing your smile. I love hearing your thoughts and the things that have been going on. I love taking a knee so that you can give me a hug those times. That's such a wonderful experience. And I miss that we're not getting to do that. But I believe and I know we will get to do it again. And when we do, it's going to be so amazing. What a celebration. What a party that will be. I also want to point out for a minute that, if you're watching this right now, it's very likely that the grown-ups sitting next to you at this moment are the people that are, that are watching out for you right now and keeping you safe. I wanted to stop for just a minute and give you an opportunity to turn to those people, those grown-ups, your parents or grandparents or whoever has been keeping you safe over the last few weeks, and stop for a minute and just look at them and say, thank you for taking care of me. I'll give you a minute. Look at them and say, thank you for taking care of me. I think that's so important to do right now, to be grateful for everything that we can be grateful for. And it might be a good idea for you to create some art or something for them this week that honors what they're doing to take care of you And keep you safe. Okay, let me read, let me start this morning by reading this scripture in the book of Philippians, which is in the New Testament in the Bible. And it is chapter 3, and this is verse 10. Here's what it says I want to know Christ. Let me start again. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I spend in my life a lot of time on the internet, probably too much time on the internet, on social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and Google and all of those places. Maybe you do the same. (sighs) Right now, the internet is an unsettling, unhappy place to be. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Kitchen Nightmares by Gordon Ramsay with him as the host, but that's pretty much how the internet feels right now. This is a show where this famous chef shows up at restaurants that are failing. And after he eats their food and looks around, he shouts at them for a while about what a terrible job they're doing as restaurant owners. And right now, I feel like if you look on social media, maybe Twitter in particular, that, that the restaurant, the world is that restaurant. And Gordon Ramsay is standing in the kitchen shouting about how terrible everything is all the time, how everything is ruined and awful, and the restaurant owner that's me, like I'm sitting there, you're sitting there. We have our hands and our, our head in our hands and we feel like terrible. We feel ashamed, we feel worried and anxious. We feel like failures, like everything is wrong. That's not a good feeling. It's such an unsettling feeling. It makes me feel sad. I've also been thinking about this quote that I, I never really understood before, but I understand now. It's from the original Star Wars movie that came out when I was like one year old in 1977. There's a scene where Darth Vader, with his powerful Death Star, blows up an entire planet, killing everyone on the planet. And way across the galaxy, Obi Wan Kenobi, the great Jedi, has this moment, this stirring, and he says, I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if a million voices cried out in terror and then were silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. I didn't understand that line. It didn't mean much to me, but man, I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi right now in a lot of ways. And I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, it may very well be that you are going through some things right now, man, that are much different than you've ever gone through before. It may be that you are feeling a level of heaviness and grief in a deep down part of yourself that's unlike anything you have ever experienced before because this touches every single part of our lives. It touches our our family. Maybe maybe you're worried for your own health, for the safety of your family. And maybe there's some people that are close to you, grandparents, high-risk friends and family, who you're worried about their health. Maybe someone in your world is going through a, a difficult time that has nothing to do with coronavirus, but they're in the hospital, and you can't go visit them. You can't see them. You're worried about them. Maybe it's something to do with just feeling lonely. You know, we're, we're in this time where we're supposed to all stay at home, and, and that is a good thing. And it's an important thing to keep us all safe and to work together as a community. But it's lonely. It's lonely. And, you know, there's a reason why, even in prisons, the worst punishment they can give to you is put you in solitary confinement. Because we know as human beings we were designed and made to be in connection with each other, even from the very beginning, it's not good for any of us to be alone. And that's difficult. It may be weighing on you. Or there may be financial reasons. Maybe you've lost a job or your hours have been cut back. Or someone you know and love, they're they're having problems. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and your business has just been wiped out or you are afraid it will be. Maybe you're a senior in high school or college, and it's kind of setting in and dawning on you, you know, I, I don't think I'm really going to have my senior year. Maybe you've been working on a play or a production or working on something for many, many months, like my youngest son, and you're not going to be able to show it to the world. You're gonna, it's going to be postponed indefinitely in the process. I've just named a few things. There are so many more things I could say that go on in our personal lives that are so difficult that you could be struggling with. But even just that list alone is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And there's so much more that if you were here and we were together right now, sitting in this space, that you could tell me about what's going on in your world. And my heart would break listening to you talk about that. Now it may seem to you that feeling that grief, that anxiety, that loss, that sadness, is very unspiritual. It may feel like you're a spiritual failure because you feel that way. That that all those kinds of ideas are anti-spiritual and if you were truly a good person, you wouldn't feel any of that. That's not true. That's not true. In fact, the grief... Feeling it, experiencing it, is a deep part of what it is to be a spiritual person, and to grow, to be the kind of person that God wants us to be in the world. In fact, there are huge sections of the Bible that are devoted to this kind of sadness that you may be experiencing right now. They are called laments. It's a lament. You may not be familiar with that word, but it's a, it's a writing that's sad, and there's a bunch of it in the Bible. We don't like to talk about it or reference those verses because they're not our favorites, but in fact, there is a whole book in the Bible about laments. Do you know what it's called? I'll give you a hint. The word lament is in the name of the book. It's the book of Lamentations, and it's five laments. One right after the other. Each chapter is one. If you want to feel sad today, read the book of Lamentations. It's overwhelming. But here's one that's a, that's a famous one that you can hear from Psalms. There are several in the Psalms. We're used to thinking of Psalm 23 and how comforting it is. But there are several Psalms that, aren't, that, that are very sad in the depths of themselves. Here's Psalm chapter 6, verse 2, crying out, be generous to me, Lord. For I am languishing. O oh, Lord, heal me. For my bones are shaking with terror. My bones are shaking with terror. And if you read the chapter, you might wish and hope that it had a happy ending, but it doesn't. It's a psalm of sadness. In fact, one of, probably the most famous lament in the Bible in terms of a quote is Psalm 22, which is well known because Jesus quotes from it right before he dies. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's one of the saddest lines in all of Scripture. and Yet he's quoting from the book of Psalms. You know, Jesus didn't write any laments, but the shortest verse in the Bible is a lament that has to do with Jesus. Jesus' friend, one of his best friends, his name was Lazarus, he had died. Three days after he died, Jesus came to the tomb, and he saw Lazarus's sisters. And it's one of, when one of Jesus' greatest miracles was about to happen. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead in a moment of inspiration and pure miraculous power of God. But before he did it, in that moment, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why did he do that? Why did he cry? Why did he need to cry? He was about to heal him. He probably knew already that was going to happen. Why did he weep? I, I suspect. I don't know. But I think in that moment, Jesus had this sense of the weight of hurt, and grief and death in the whole world. And he felt it, he felt the terror and the grief deep in his bones. And he mourned. He lamented it. He hurt, and he felt the hurt. He didn't push it away because of a great miracle he was about to do, because he knew the ending was going to be good. No, he sat in it, experienced it, he felt it. I don't like the idea of a lament. I would rather go through a time like this and have someone give me a rational explanation about why this is happening and how it will turn out. I would even settle for a romantic explanation of why it's okay and why we should all feel all right about it. But laments don't have rational explanations or romantic explanations. In fact, a lament is for a time When you ask a question, a big question, an important question, and you get no answer, no simple answer, no easy explanation. Those are the times for lamenting, the times for weeping. Jesus understood that. Although he never wrote a lament, his life in certain sections was a lament. We're thinking over this time period as we lead up to Easter next week of these experiences that Jesus had on the road to the cross, on the road to his resurrection. And this period that's on my mind today is this time where Jesus was alone. He had been in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. It was a Thursday night praying to God, and he was arrested, taken in. And it was one thing after another, Jesus all alone. No friend, no lawyer, no one to stand with him, no family. He was all by himself, and he was betrayed by a friend, Peter, one of his best friends, who Jesus, he had mentored Peter for three years been a guide, almost like a father to him, if you could say that. And Peter three times wouldn't even acknowledge that he knew Jesus. And as the sun came up on Friday morning, Peter had, for the third time, said, I don't even know who this guy is. With anger and animosity, I don't know this man. Jesus stood before politicians who used his pain as a pawn in their political games for power. One moment after another, Jesus just knew as he stood before one official and then another official and then another official, this wasn't about justice. It wasn't about truth. It wasn't about doing what was right or what was merciful or what was good. These were games. These were games. That he would be a sacrifice in the midst of that. And as he stood waiting to speak to one ruler who would make a decision about his future, these soldiers blindfolded him and spit on him and punched him, knocked him over, and then tried to get him to guess which of them had done it. It was cruel. It was nothing but cruelty and unkindness and hate. If you feel alone in your grief this moment, if you feel by yourself in your hurt, if you are lamenting, if you have grief you've never felt before, you are not alone. You are not alone. The king of the universe feels Has felt what you're feeling. He knows. And he stands with you today. With his arms around you. I can't hug you right now. It's killing me that I can't. But I know that Jesus is with you. He is with you. He loves you. He stands with you every moment that you feel alone. And he has felt everything you are feeling today. And it's beautiful to know that we're not alone. That we can look at this story of Jesus. This story that we celebrate. And know that this path of grief is not for nothing. It's not for nothing. And even though today I cannot give you an explanation for why it's happening, I cannot give you simple answers for why this is happening and how it will end and what will happen next, I cannot, nor can anyone else, remove that uncertainty from you. I can tell you that you can look to the story and the life of Jesus and know that this moment it's not the end of the story it's not the end but it has a purpose but it has a purpose because in this moment you have a choice whether or not you will allow that pain to in your sense of fear and scarcity and loneliness to push you deeper into your own sense of your own self or whether you can do as Jesus did Go through this time of hurt, and let it be an opening, an opening of your heart and of your spirit to the hurt, not just of yourself, but to the world around you, to sense, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, that there has been a great disturbance in the force, like a million voices cried out in terror what if, what if you, even in the midst of all your hurt and all your pain, can be light, can be hope, can be compassion and strength at a time where we feel so in the dark. As we shout in the collective kitchen that everything is wrong and everything is ruined and everything is broken. you can stand up and say the story is not done and we will stand together in this moment. I love this passage. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he would put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Adrenaline into your souls. You might be wondering if because of the fact that we cannot gather in buildings on Sundays like we're used to, you may wonder if Easter is canceled. Is it canceled? My friend, Easter is not canceled. Because Easter was never about sitting in buildings together. And even though the beautiful dresses and all of the things we do in those spaces together to celebrate Easter are beautiful symbols of an inner truth, the reality is Easter was made from moments like this. Easter is all about moments where it feels like death, and ruin, and brokenness. And yet somewhere, a small voice says, rise. Rise, resurrect, come back to life, and not back to just the old life, but a new life, a better life. The message today has nothing to do with when we will leave our homes, or when the economy will return, or when the unemployment numbers will sink because we have no idea when those things will rise from the ashes again. But Easter was never about that anyway. It was always about the resurrection inside of us, a resurrection that would allow us to see life with new eyes, to see ourselves in new ways. To open our hearts to people that we have never seen before. And to love them. To show compassion, and mercy, self-sacrifice. To give to those people. To help them. To lift each other up. To rise together in ways we have never seen before or couldn't even imagine. And when Jesus was hurting so bad, that even his friends denied him and walked away from him, no one could imagine what would happen. Right now, it's Friday. Friends, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. In our hearts and in our souls, this is an opportunity for growth, for new life, for resurrection. And as we think over the next few days about that journey that Jesus went on, I I hope that you will stay open to your grief. Not to push it down, not to avoid it, to run away from it, but to feel it truly and deeply. Let it open passages in your soul that you have never seen before. Because you are not a corpse buried in the ground, my friend. You are a seed. You are a seed. And although you may feel alone and disconnected, quarantined in your dark space right now, something is growing, stirring inside you that very soon will break the surface and bring more light than we have ever seen before. That is the rising the resurrection that we will celebrate in the week ahead. Jesus stands with you, cheers you on. He is rooting for you today. God bless you. Let's pray. God, you have been so good to us. We love you and we're grateful for all that is good in our lives. Thank you for being you. Thank you for blessing us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.